Chatting with Sherry. Chatting with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They've been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for the creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Today, we're going to have director, writer, actor, Eric Erickson. He's going to talk about his uh, movie, which is called Truth, and a bunch of other stuff. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi. It's nice to be back. How are you? I'm fine. It's been a while. It, it has been. Lots been going on. Um, I know. It's been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for, for everyone. Um, personally In the world. Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, – it's, you know, honestly, as an artist, I think you might be in the same boat, but, you know, when, you, when you're a writer or you work from home or you do, um, you do projects that are like, you know, you work for a couple of weeks and you're on to something else, uh, a, situa- a situation like corona at first doesn't really change a lot because you're still home. You're still working on the computer. You're still not seeing people. But after a while, you do start to realize you don't have all the, um, the, the freedoms that you take for granted. So yeah. these the, our, us introverted artists have to remember that uh, we still need to get outside somehow. So yeah, it's uh, I mean, I quite the world. I still go out for my walk, um, you know, and 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 stuff like that. And usually I do it in the morning because and there's no one out there because I go between time and people are going to work because that, yeah. you were talking about introverted, even though. I work with people all the time. I am really shy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I don't do the height. I don't do the outside walk thing as much. I'm more of a gym rat. So that really kind of hit me when they shut down my gym. I was like, Oh no, what am I going to do? So. Oh, I, that was that. My brother too. He he. That was his oasis. He, uh, he came home. He would make his dinner. He would talk to me. We'd watch TV. We'd play with the cat, and he'd go to the gym. Uh, now he created a little gym. He went downstairs, got all the gym equipment from where the car is, uh, you know, like the thing over the car, and put it into his mm-hmm. room. And he's got an hour of don't come in my room time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You have to set. Um... You have to set schedules for yourself. You know, it's it's not it's actually not that different than than when you work from home normally. You if you don't set schedules and get things done and put um, deadlines for yourself and self-imposed deadlines, and then you don't get stuff done. So you just kind of kind of take that same approach and instill it in your life as we go through the next couple of weeks or next couple of months or however long it's going to last. So Yeah. Well, I mean, keep turning out right. art. I created schedules. Well, I have to create schedules for my show to go with people like yourself so everybody can mesh and stuff like that. I also do my mm-hmm. radio play. I have to do a schedule for that. But I also write. So I usually write in the morning um, when I first get up. And that's scheduled, too, because I have to get it, – it depends if I have a recording or an interview and stuff. I have stuff I have to do. It's weird. People go, oh, you have all day just to sit and read and watch movies. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the the rough part, too, during something like this is um, – and this is one of my own things, and so I have to be careful about it and try and improve, but – 
you know, even when you're working in the normal world, you forget that not everybody else is on your schedule when you set your own schedule. So, you know, if I email somebody and I'm like, oh, my God, it's been five hours. Why have I not heard from them? Well, you know, maybe they're around the world or maybe they have other clients or maybe they have everything else. So you got to learn. Then you get into a situation like this and I'm dealing with distributors or I'm dealing with companies and I'm like, why have I not heard from them? Oh, that's right. They're closed. Oh, that's right. You know, we're having internet issues, everything, you know, or whatever's going on. So you really have to take a deep breath and, and realize that things are going to be a little slower and, and there's, it's not really anybody's fault, you know, when, when no. you can't get a hold of somebody or can't get them through. So you just got to, you know, check yourself and work on something else. And that's- we have no enemy. This is what's really strange right now. The enemy is a tiny little microcosmic, I can't say the word right now, but you know what I mean. It's a little virus. It's, it's, it's not a person. It's not a thing. It's not a people. It's not, a, it's not us against them. It's, we are all together. So maybe, maybe this might do some you know, good for people. Oh, and let them know. You know what? Just just for the sake of devil's advocate and to make it an interesting show, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're absolutely right, but I'll take it up a notch. I'll say that, that yes, our enemy is you know the coronavirus and that, but I think that there's another enemy of um, apathy and separation in this country that is an, a, another enemy that we're dealing with. And I'll use myself as an example. I live at home. I live by myself. I have my own. I don't live with anybody. Um, my, my family is in another state. I don't have any contact really with anybody who's older or in a risk group. So if I was being apathetic and being selfish, I would just say, screw it. I'm going to go out and do whatever I want. And I'm not affecting anybody. It's just my life, whatever, da, 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 da. But becoming, taking responsibility for us as a society and, and for the weakest in the society and for the health of everybody I think we're seeing this. I mean, you saw the pictures in California, all the people out at the beach and on Florida. And, and, and for the first time in my life, I'm going to stand up for millennials. It's not the millennials' fault. Apparently, it's Generation Z. So I take back all the bad things I said about millennials in the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, there is this war also against this separation that the country, you know, fake news and the, and I don't believe you, or you're trying to get something for me, or you're trying to lie to me, or you're not important, or my views are more important, or this entire thing that this whole country's gotten to. And it's taken a goddamn pandemic before we stop and say, wait, maybe this isn't the right way to interact with people. And I honestly don't know if we're winning or losing the battle at this point, but it's definitely starting to show people's true colors. It's starting to show, make us look in the mirror and realize what's important and who's important. And it's a, it's a moment in the history of this country, especially where we are going to be held accountable for what we believe in and what our actions are. And that's my soapbox moment. So. (laughs) I mean, it's time that the, the civilization, and I'm not talking about America, I'm talking about everybody the civilization of human beings on this planet grew up and realized this planet is all we got. We All we have is the planet and each other. Wake up. <laughs> Our health is important and each other are important. And it doesn't matter what you look like, how you speak, what you do, where you are, or any of it. This is showing yeah. us that. Well, we're going to find out. 
sooner than later, you know, what, I know. what, uh, what's going on. So anyway, it's a, what, let's it's talk about very, happier things. What else? What, yeah, what, it's a very strange time, and we need to focus on joy. That's another thing. Uh, everybody's so down, and we've got to realize, you know, during World War II, the reason people watched fluffy movies and sang happy, silly songs and stuff like that was because they wanted some joy in their life, and we have the ability to just plug it in on our TV and our phones, so let's have fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, so that's that's a beautiful segue, and I'm going to segue it into, so that's why we have the books that we've been putting out through my my multimedia company. How was that? How was that? That was good. <laughs> um, yeah, so you want to Very talk about smooth, those? Very smooth, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll, get, I'll cut right to it. So, um for those of you who've been following um, my career, and I have to, I have to admit, I get a lot of um, hate mail for some of the kind of the B movies that I make, or you know, some of those uh, the Sci-Fi Channel movies. I actually got two emails this morning from people who actually enjoyed them, so that put a smile on my face for once. That's good. Of, you know, yeah, so that was kind of nice. somebody in Malaysia like watched uh, uh, one of them, and somebody else emailed them. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Um, so, but those of you who have followed what I've been doing, um, I revamped my production company late last year. Uh, we renamed it, rebranded it Viking dog. Um, we had some issues with the film. We got those taken care of. We were getting ready to relaunch it. We were taking care of everything. And then this little thing started happening in China and, um, shut everybody down. So, Late last year, before we even really started hearing about Corona or any of this, I decided to start expanding uh, the type of entertainment that Viking Dog put out because it turned out that we actually had a large library from different projects that we had and that we hadn't um, brought to market and different things. So what we started doing was producing, um, because I'm a writer and a former journalist, is we started producing books as well as film. So the first ones out of the gate were a book series called the little book series. And what they are are about a hundred page, give or take books about specific subjects. Um, I got my inspiration from, I don't know if you remember these, but they, I used to have piles of these books when I was a kid is the little Ripley's believe it or not books, little fact books. Like there would be like one thing on every page and you'd read about it. And it, it was just these fun little facts. And then you'd go learn about them or whatever. So we wanted to take that kind of idea and create these little books and they're available on uh, in eBooks and paperback and they each have a different subject. Um, currently we have one on Vikings. We have one on wolves. We have one on the wild west. Um, we're going to have a few more coming out in the next week or so on knights, like knights and knights and castles, knights and shining, shining armor. Uh, we have one on radio coming out, Pulp Fiction, the the literature, not the not the film, and um, it's just neat, a neat way for sit down. Whether you're a kid and you're like, wow, these are all new things, and they eat up factoids, like my niece loves that kind of stuff, or if it's just you know something while you're using that toilet paper that you're hoarding and you need something to read while you're using it, these are perfect for that. So they're little uh, bite-sized books, and we decided to have them available. 
exclusively through Amazon uh, Kindle because Amazon Kindle has something called uh, Kindle Unlimited. And it's very similar to like Amazon Prime. So you pay a flat rate and then it's a lending library and you get to read all of the books in the libraries. And it's millions of, of pages and, and books. Um, and you have access to all of them, including our little book series that's now available from Amazon Kindle. So that's kind of the first thing out of the gate that we worked on. I have a few things on Unlimited. It's a good source because people, it's hard for like people that are shut-ins or people that are, um, this is before all this, people that are shut-ins or people who are older to get to a library or bookstore. Even Amazon is sort of, sometimes can be kind of difficult because they 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 can't make it to their mailbox every day, you know. So and 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 they live at a high rise or something. So Kindle's a good source because you can put it on your computer as big a screen as you want and what, read whatever you want. I'm thinking of the older people. <laughs> yeah. But it's great for kids too because you know they're they're the computer mobile e generation. So you know you've got all these kids that are now at home and parents are trying to figure out what to do with them. And we're like, well, you know, we're not saying they're going to learn everything, but here's a book about dinosaurs. Kids love dinosaurs. There you go. Hopefully that'll entertain them for 30 minutes and you can have your coffee and a little relaxation. <laughs> you know, so. It's uh, so that was the that was kind of the first thing that we got out. I wanted to um, give you know people. We were planning on getting it out even before all this hit. It's just kind of this weird synergy where I decided you know okay well let's make these available to everybody who uses Kindle Unlimited um, instead of you know trying to do it one by one, um, having to buy each one so they get a chance to do that. So at the same time, uh, the next step was we actually released. Um, truth the screenplay so there's a lot of people out there who are writers and screenwriters or they enjoy reading scripts and whatever so we decided to let this the screenplay the original screenplay be available for people to read um, paperback hardcover and ebook so we offered that and we also this is the first time I've told anybody so world premiere on your show uh, we just released Trouble is My Business from Tom Conkle, who's a friend of yours. So we just today, just this morning, um, the screenplay of his film, Trouble is My Business, went live. So it is oh, available. Cool. Yeah, so it's available. You can order it in paperback if you want your own copy. Or it, we decided to make it available. Not all of our titles are available through um, Kindle Unlimited. They're all available through Amazon Kindle, but they're not all available through the lending library. But Trouble Is My Business is available through Amazon Kindle Unlimited. So if you're a fan of Tom, if you're a fan of noir movies or just films in general, you can read his script and actually see where the film came from. You know, It's a great, great thing to be able to watch a movie then go back to the source material and be like, oh, well, that's the way this line was written, or that's where it was described, and the actor got to take that and bring it to life and, and create their own version of it. And it's just part of the whole process, you know. So it deepens it. So, so that is available on Amazon as of this morning. Um, so yeah, we've got one, two, four, five, six, 
six or seven books, and we should have another four or five up in the next few weeks um, in different topics. So we're moving forward with all that. Um, and then, and then, there's um, a, a book, new book series that will probably, it was supposed to come out last week, but everything got pushed with the situation. We have a new trilogy uh, called The Realm Trilogy, which is a science fiction adventure series. Uh, the first book, Ascension, will probably be out next month. Um, and it will be followed by the second part of the trilogy in the later part of the year. And then the final book will come out in the spring of next year. Um, so that's a science fiction trilogy about a group of scientists who have discovered that there's a another universe on the other side of death. We don't actually die, but you ascend or don't ascend, depending on who you are, to a different plane of existence, and they discover how to travel back and forth, and there's people who want to take control of this place and use the power. Um, I wanted to do something with a kind of a more uh, a deeper subject, a little more thought-provoking, a little philosophy, a little metaphysical but I presented it in a very um, adventure-driven way because I grew up reading Clive Cussler and uh, Robert B. Parker and you know, these types of books. And then you know, Dan Brown came along. So I wanted to have this kind of page-turning book, but at the same time explore some concepts of, of you know, ascension and different planes of existence and, and some other things. So um, that's called Ascension. And that should be hitting early April, depending on how the next couple of weeks go. So, yeah, I've been working on a couple of things since last we talked. I got a question about <laughs> the Do they have all the changes as well? You know, the color page changes and everything? Can you say that again? Or is it just the that? original concept script? Can you ask that again? I didn't quite catch the question. Is the scripts that you're releasing from um, uh, Trouble is My Business and um, and Truth, are they going to be the scripts with, like, the color page changes for the actors that they had changes as the oh. time went? Or is it no, the no, original no. concept script? These are the original screenplays. Um they're published like books. They're literally, you know, we typeset them and, you know, um, there's a lot of, if you go, if there's actually a large um, uh, grouping of these types of, um, of screenplays that have been published as books. I, um, Tarantino's famous for it. Every one of his movies, he turns into a, a published screenplay. Um, so it's literally uh, drafted from the original screenplay. Tom, sent me his original shooting script. Um, so we, we just uh, adapted that for text and, and moved on from there. So it's not, you're talking about like blue pages and pink pages and, and the different pages mm-hmm. you get as you get rewrites. Everything. No, this is due to, also due to the limitations of, of uh, the publishing. Uh, so this is just, here's, here's what the actor saw. When the, when the actor first was handed the script and said, this is the movie you're going to make, that's what, this, what you're reading. I, it's so interesting because um, before they started doing that, I used to, because I, I was an actor when I was younger. 
And I used to buy a lot of scripts because I wanted to write film, too. And I took film classes and stuff. So it was always interesting to read the original concept script and uh, between that and watch the movie because a lot of it, it's like night and day sometimes. Sometimes it's even unrecognizable. It's really fascinating. It's an educational experience moviegoer. Yeah, and if you're a writer, that's one of the ways to learn, you know, how to write, reading what other people wrote and being like, oh, well, mm-hmm. I like that, or I don't like that, or, I, oh, he could have done this. I mean, Tom and I are, I, I don't want to put words in Tom's mouth, but I can't imagine him not saying this. Um, we're not trying to say that our scripts are perfect, and we're not trying to say that they couldn't have been improved, and we're not trying to say that uh, we couldn't have written a line a different way. But you know what? This is a moment in time. We finished it. We went to shoot it. Here's what it was when we stepped in front of the cameras, and you get to show that as well. So, and, and with truth, I think the original idea for me with truth to release the screenplay was because when I was in college, um, Reservoir Dogs had just come out. I'm dating myself. But the, um, the theater school at my college, a group of the students contacted Quentin Tarantino and they asked him if they could do Reservoir Dogs as a stage play. And he, and this was right before Pulp Fiction came out. It was right around then. So he wasn't huge yet. And he said, yes. And they did a production of it at USC. And um, I believe he attended. Um, I wasn't in the cast, so I don't remember exactly, but I think he was there. And I always thought that was really a cool idea. So when we did Truth, since it's a very theatrical piece, two actors, real time, I'm like, you know, it would be neat if somebody ever said, you know what, this would be fun to do as like an experimental theater piece. I don't know how they would do it, but it would be fun. So I kind of, that's kind of where I started. I was like, I want to put this out there, people to read, not only to compare to the film and enjoy on that level, maybe someone's going to be like, hmm, how can we do a a movie like this in a black box theater and do it as a play because it's dialogue dialogue driven. You know, so I kind of, that was kind of the jumping off point. And then I started to, Tom came on and we did, we did the script of his and we have some other people that we're talking to and just trying to move forward as fast as possible. So it's did you a ever, script. This is a weird yeah. question, but when I was in acting classes or in acting school or in college taking acting classes, um, it got to the point that everybody was doing the same scenes. So I used to do something that I think sometimes drove my teachers kind of bunker, but was, um, I love classic films. I like old movies, Cary Grant and uh, William Beholden, William Powell. I like classics. Mm-hmm. And so I would take a scene from To Catch a Thief, or I would take a scene from The Thin Man, or I would take a scene from Sabrina. And that's what I would work on my se- with my scene partner on. Because everybody else was doing, you know, picnic and all this stuff that everybody does a thousand times. Did you ever do something yeah. like that? Just bizarre. Um, my teachers didn't like it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we at, at my school that was forbidden. That was literally oh. like you. They're like you are that. They go that's film. We are here to do theater. Um, and even in basic acting classes, you know, where, yes, you're acting for film, you're acting for theater, it's all the same. The idea that was handed down to us, and I'm not saying it's right, I'm just saying this is, this is my school. My school said, we don't want you doing film scenes, 
because you will never ever be able to do a truly unique version of that scene because even somebody who's watching it will always in the back of their head, they're going to have a little voice going, well, that's not how Cary Grant did it, or that's not how I saw it in this film. So they really wanted us to do theater because there was less comparison and you had more room to expand without having that, uh, that already established way of that scene having happened. Um, now when you got into, when I started getting into, when I started getting into specific classes, like acting for film, that changed. Then they said, yes, you have to do this scene from this show, or you have to do this scene from this movie. And I get it. I, I get it because they want the certain beats and the certain, you know, there's reasons, but as far as my, my acting conservatory work. Yeah, that was, that was forbidden. Absolutely forbidden. It's funny because, um, in my, uh, I did both. I did what, I mean, I did stage plays too, but I mean, it just, I got bored sometimes. So I just tried something different. But, mm-hmm. uh, but the thing is, a lot of the people in my class never saw those movies, never even heard of some of the actors. I actually, by doing these, introduced something that they had never seen, and they went out when the movie came up, because back then you couldn't just plop it into a DVD or a, a, even VCR player. <laughs> I'm aging myself. There was none of that stuff. You waited for stuff to come on. Um, <laughs> but um, they waited for those movies, and they went to see it, and they were like, oh, well, that wasn't that good. But, oh, that was really a different twist, but it was good. You know, not everybody's seen the classic films. Um, even to, uh, today, it's worse than it was when I was a kid. <laughs> well, I think I think the difference is, you know, when you look at the situation, I, I hear what you're saying, and it makes total sense. I think in my situation, and this this sounds so like New Yorky theater egotistical, but it's what it was. Is we weren't there to perform for the other students, and that's what, something that was drilled into us. Um, I had one teacher, um, Anna Stramese, who literally she was like, um, I forget, uh, Debbie Reynolds in fame with the cane and the whole thing. And it literally, she oh, would Debbie scream, Allen. yell. Debbie Sorry? Allen, not Debbie Reynolds. Yeah, Debbie yeah. Reynolds in fame. Debbie, Debbie Allen, yeah. So, um, and like she would sit there and scream at you. And she's like, you're not, you are here to find truth. You are here to find this. You're not here to entertain. You know, so it. It, which sounds wrong because we're actors and we're supposed to entertain, but I understand what she was saying. Um, she things that she would always yell at us is, is she would stop the scene. She's like, you're just masturbating on stage. If you're going to do that, go somewhere else. And it's like, because she's like, you're just doing it for yourself. You're not finding truth. You're not finding um, the character. You're just up there entertaining. And, you know, so I think I hear what you're saying, but, and and uh, I think that was, you know, where I came from, it was all about, you know, finding the truth of the character, finding the truth of the scene, finding the, you know, and if you're watching, if you're doing the scene from the Thin Man and you find the truth in it, you know, that uh, that's awesome. You know, that you've done an amazing thing. That's not an easy thing to do, especially with a, a scene like that that comes from an older cinema where we didn't really um, – this isn't across the board, but a lot of those films weren't as deep. They weren't, you know, they weren't played for the subtleties or they weren't played for the truth. So that, you know, they're just, 
representational acting and people got up and they said, okay, well, I'm going to do line read four B and I'm going to do line read six, two. And, you know, it's, there's a specific way of doing it. And there's some of that in television and film for that matter, still today. I've gone on many, many sets where I've done scenes and the people around me or with me or on stage on set have said a line. I'm like, wow, I've heard that line read that way by a person just like you a thousand times because it's a stock character basically, or it's a stock read, you know, so it's, um, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. I think that's one of the reasons I did it. I just got bored with the same old thing over and over and over and over. (laughs) Oh yeah. I don't, I don't doubt that. I mean, um, my, one of my roommates was, he was a former child actor and he, uh, and he got very, very bored in class. So that's how he got into drugs. He got, he used to love to go to class on acid. And I'm like, why? He's like, it makes it fun. And I'm like, wow, you're going to acting class on acid because it's not fun. There's something okay. That's weird. You know? Oh, poor man. Yeah, but he, he got his life straightened out eventually. But, uh, you know, that's what that boredom can do to you. Or, you know, plus add a little youth to that and the rules go out the window. So. Yeah, I was much more structural. I was not into <laughs> bad stuff. So <laughs> I was boring. I was the only person of my generation who didn't do that stuff. Let me put it that way. Um, uh, <laughs> at least that's the way it felt. <laughs> well, that's actually, I mean, that's weird you say that because, like, when I was in theater school, it was all about, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's still this way, but, and it has been for years, but it was, we had so many students who were like, well, I'm method. I'm a method actor. So if I don't extend, then how can I play the truth of the moment? It's like, well, you're a freaking actor. Maybe act like it. No, no, no. I have to experience it. So, I mean, we had, we had kids that were doing drugs. They were, I remember we had a couple women who had lesbian experiences purely for the experience to put into their bank for if they played a lesbian character. You know, it was, I have to steal something. I have to do, they're like, if I don't have this true experience, I can't represent it on stage. And I'm like, okay, that's horseshit. And we all know it. You know, it's, I just saw this great quote from, um, uh, 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 oh, I can't remember his name. It's driving me on that. Um, As soon as it hits me, it's going to, I'm going to feel so stupid. Um, uh, 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 Commissioner Gordon, Batman movies. Um, Dracula. Uh, ah, can't remember his name. Help me. Help me. Help me. <laughs> What's his name? Um, I don't remember. That's why I would remember. It's um. Oh, I'm trying to Batman movies. He was Commissioner Gordon in the Batman movie. People who are listening to this are like screaming at their computers right now. Um, and I'm a comic book geek, so this really is making me look bad. Um. Oh, my God, I can see his face. I can see his face. Um, uh, uh, Gary Oldman, thank you. Oh, Gary Oldman. Uh, yeah, I saw <laughs> this actor. quote from Gary, where Gary Oldman is like, he made this comment where he said, um, you know, if an actor says that they have to completely become a different person on set, you're not dealing with an actor, you're dealing with a schizophrenic. <laughs> you know, it's. And and I'm like, I I, I get that. I'm like, even when I was shooting Truth, you go into some really dark emotional places, but that's not you. It's make-believe, you know, and 
if you want to pull your own personal stuff into it and use it, great. That's awesome. Use it. But that doesn't mean you have to like go down that rabbit hole and become that person. You know, you may need, you know, was it uh, Michael B. Jordan said he needed therapy after Black Panther. I get that because you're, you're pulling up your own personal issues and using them and maybe need to address some ghosts in your or skeletons in your closet or something, but you're not becoming, you know, this person, you know, as much as I liked uh, uh, Aquaman, Jason Momoa cannot breathe underwater. I don't care what you say. <laughs> he didn't become Aquaman, you know, so. Superman <laughs> We're getting all the good stuff today. And, What's um, that? <laughs> you know, none, none of that's real. But it's funny because it's weird. I, I actually uh, watched a thing recently that, an interview of uh, Susan Strasberg, Lee Strasberg's daughter, and one of the things she made clear was her father never said that you're supposed to personally change yourself into the character. She's just saying you're supposed to take the stuff out of yourself and use real uh, feelings and emotions. She says she does. He didn't want to make people into schizos. <laughs> right. You know, look at like, you know, there. I. I I might have even said this on your show before. I, I know I've said it before, but, you know, look at Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. You know, look at what a mess he became. And and if, if James Dean had lived, oh, my God, he would have been, he would have been, he would have been a mess. You know, and we have other actors that you start to see. And it's not just the, the character work. It's not just, because it is hard. It's very, very difficult to you know, achieve this level of truth just on a personal level as an actor. You know, I want to do my best performance. I want, you know, I, you, you don't walk onto set going, going, I want to do a horrible film. You never walk onto set and being like, I want this to be the worst performance I've ever had. You know, you want to do your best job. So you already have that pressure. Then you walk onto a set and you're like, Oh, okay, well, this isn't what I was expecting. Or these are the conditions we're working under. And it starts to erode everything, you know, and it's not an excuse. It's just a fact. And that's why, you know, if I, if I go to direct, so if I direct some really low budget science fiction film, which I've done, I don't walk on set and be like, I'm going to make the worst film possible. No, I'm going to make the absolute best film that I can. Oh, I have how many days? I have how much money? How experienced are my actors? I have what for a set and it, it all takes away from the project you're doing. We don't walk away and just throw your hands up and be like, all right, I'm done. I can't deal with this. Maybe there are times when you do. And if it's a, if you're a huge name and you have the right to do that and you can get out of your contracts and everything, that's one thing. But, you know, as an actor, you go in there and you try and do your best job. And then you look at afterwards and you're like, okay, well, I can actually see how I wasn't on point in that scene. Well, I did the best I could. I, I tried to bring as much truth to the scene as possible. And I know that there was a better take, but they used that one. Well, you know why they used that one? Because the, because you were shooting so fast, the DP had the wrong lens setting on and they couldn't use that one. You know, so there's all these other factors that come in. That's why I get these emails from people that were like, you made that movie. Why did you do this? How were you thinking that? I'm like, yeah, you want to come on set and see what it's like, you know, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, 
there's a way that you have to make an omelet and eggs get broken. And if people could see the way that eggs have to get broken on a set, it doesn't matter if it's something that's a $100,000 budget or $100 million. And it doesn't even stop when the camera stopped rolling. Look at all the movies that are now delayed. Look at all the careers that are getting destroyed because of these films getting delayed by a year. You know, Fast and Furious next year. They just announced today that Wonder Woman's getting pushed back to the fall. You know, they they announced these movies that are going straight to video now because they can't release them. So what people need to realize, and I guess it's one of my soapbox moments, but what the hell, is people need to realize that you do the best you can with the situation. And sometimes freaking magic happens and it's amazing. And you get these moments that just, you grab because of the light and the acting and the directing and the writing and the, the camera angle and the, 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 the moon is in the right position and the tides are a certain way and the stock market's at a certain number and we're all happy and whatever. It's these moments and that's what we're always trying to grab and that's what we're always trying to find. And hopefully you get a whole string of those and you put them together and you present something, whether it's a movie or a book or a song or painting or whatever it is. Um, you, you create these moments and you hope you get to pull them all together. And then you have other ones where it's just like hurdle, stumbling block, pothole, <laughs> you know, uh, speed bump. And, and you come away and you're like, okay, well, it's still art. It's still entertainment. It is what it is, you know. So awesome. I, 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 mean, I hope people can look at that. I think the fans, <laughs> it depends on your fan base, but I think the fans usually do understand. Also, sometimes the people who are working on a small budget can create magic and because they have a great cinematographer or a great costume person or a great set designer. It's not just the actors. I mean, it's all, it's everybody. It's a group of people working together to create this. And most of them do appreciate that. I mean, um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing art. And um, I think that fans are as supportive. I think most fans are supportive. I really do. I, um, I'll give you an a example. A lot of them are. A lot of them are. And I've, I, I've gotten a lot of, you know, I get a lot of wonderful emails from people, and they're like, you know, oh, I saw you in this, or I, I saw this film you wrote, or this film you directed. And, and a lot of them are like we, what you just said. They're like, we can appreciate what you did with what you had. And it was fun. We could tell you were having fun. And I'll tell you, I would rather make a low-budget film with people I want to work with than go, which I've, I've been on both sides of it. I would much rather go make a low-budget film with people that I want to work with on something I'm passionate about than go spend days on a huge-budget film where I just literally dread going to set every day because everybody is intolerable to work with. You know, it's, it's, and it happens, you know, oh, well, you get paid a lot of money for it. You're right. I do when, when it happens, <laughs> but it, I could get paid a lot of money sometimes to do other stuff that I don't like. So why not create a world where you can work with people you want to work with on things that you think are important that you think people want to see. You know, so that's what I do with Viking dog is I really try to even the little books, the these. They're these simple little books that are 100 pages, but they're on topics that I'm interested in. 
I'm like, I'm very interested in radio. I've always loved radio. I've performed in it. I was a DJ. I, I listen to old radio shows. This is a subject I'm passionate about. I'm going to put together a book for other people that I think will enjoy this topic because I think it's something that, that people will like. You know, it's the same. Books, movies, paintings. Paint something, be like, oh, my God, this is horrible. No one's going to like it. I can't wait to put it on the wall. Yeah, it's not, that's not the way it works. No, so, I mean, of not. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, most people that enjoy movies are going to be entertained. They're not going to tear the pieces. I, I mean, it, uh, when you, it, there's a lot, there are people out there who just want to go and and look at every little nook and cranny and see how things are put together. But the majority of people just want to have fun. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I agree. Most most people are very nice about it. It's it's it. Most people are very nice. I'll just I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, you just have to make we, sure you read the emails at the right time. I guess is you know, I was going through a rough patch a couple months ago, and somebody wrote me that it was a couple college kids that I had. They were obviously drunk. And they had gone to a screening of a, a film that I was in. And they wrote me this long email. I, I kept it for a while. And then I'm like, I have to delete this. It's driving me crazy. But it was this long email. And you could tell they were just drunk as all get out about, like, why we made this film. And they were like, were you trying to, do, like, they were really into it. They are like, are you trying to um, cause a scientific experiment that will actually cause people to revert their humanity when they watched this like this is what they were going into and it was like a page long it was huge you know but I, for the most part most people are nice and like we get what you did and it was fun and i wish i could do something like that or you know whatever so but you always try and do better you know that's my other thing is i as a as a writer or an actor or director whatever i am whatever day of the week it is you know, you always want to try and be better than whatever the last thing you did was. Learn something, whatever it is, as long as you're making progress forward. You know? That's true. Um, we are almost out of time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I need you to give your website and your social media so people can see all of your the things that you're, you're putting out in books and all the other things that you want people to see. Sounds good. So, if you want to check me out personally, uh, The Angry Viking, uh, pretty much you type in The Angry Viking on any platform and I will come up. That's kind of neat. Um, so you can uh, start there or come on over to uh, Viking Dog Entertainment uh, on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Viking Dog ENT, or if you just type in Viking Dog, we will come up. And right now I've Check out our little book series, which is available on Amazon Kindle. Uh, Truth, the screenplay, and Trouble is My Business, the screenplay, are both available on Amazon. Um, Truth is also available on Barnes & Noble, uh, Barnes & Noble and Google Play. Uh, Ascension will be coming out next month. Look for that. And Truth will be coming out soon, as soon as we figure out this whole who's still got their doors open distribution situation that's going on in the world right now. So, And then uh, Viking Dogs, Viking Dog Dog Dog.com is our website as well. So, But I'd say Instagram's the best place to start. That's my favorite place. Less, yes, less yelling. 
I actually, it's my favorite. I like that the best too because it's it's it seems to be a happier place. Yeah, <laughs> visually based, very visual. That's what I like about it. Um, yeah. anyway, I want to thank you thank you for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it, Eric. <laughs> Absolutely. Always do. Always nice. And thank you for having me. Everybody stay safe. Yes. Stay safe. Stay home. Follow the directions and don't, and watch movies and read books. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, watch Amazon Prime. Watch independent films. Give watch a movie you've never seen before. Help help a filmmaker out. And make a few uh, pennies on Amazon Prime. Yep, yep absolutely. Um, thank you, Eric. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for chatting and sharing. All right. <laughs>